hello and welcome to the RBC Ross Trevor Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoyed this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. So um, Rachel Turner is visiting us from the UK. She landed in Adelaide on Tuesday, and she has hit the ground running by running some workshops for parents and for leaders within our state. And she's been to the Barossa, which is really exciting. But I thought it would be really great if I introduced Rachel to you by asking her a couple of questions. Rachel, before we start, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, about your family? Yeah, just a quick... Sure. Uh, Hi, I'm Rachel. Uh, You're here in Southern California, having lived in the UK for 22 years. So that's where I live. I'm a bit of a mush. Uh, I am married to my husband, Mark, who is currently doing a PhD in plasma physics. Um, So I don't know what he's doing, but I proofread the papers. And uh, I have a son called Caleb. He's 14. Yes. I think there's a lot of Caleb's here. I just want to say, I feel alone. A couple of Caleb's. Um, Rachel, for um, what was it? So Rachel is an author, and uh, she is also the founder of Parenting for Faith in the UK. Um, And I was wondering, because I didn't read this anywhere, and I probably should have done more research, but anyway... What was the catalyst? What was the thing that sparked your passion for this part of your of ministry? I was a children's pastor, and I loved seeing kids meet and know God, and I really wanted to do well. And God brought me to Scripture that told me that the best way to disciple kids is in the ordinary, boring bits of life when they wake up and they go to sleep. And that would be inappropriate for me to be in those places. And I thought, wait a minute, who is positioned to best disciple these kids? And it's parents and carers. And I got really convicted because I only get 100 hours a year with kids and parents get two to 3,000 hours. Wow. And I thought I should probably do something about that and make them feel confident rather than me. So Rachel's written not just one, but a couple of books, I think nine. Ten. Ten, ten books. Um, and I was like, phew. Where do you have the time to do that? But I'm quite interested to hear what is it you do outside of writing your books, running workshops, being involved in ministry, and lecturing at a Bible college? Yes, yes. Yes. So what do you do for fun, if that's not fun enough already? I can tell you my secret happy place. Uh, I do blacksmithing. Blacksmithing. <laughs> That is something I did not know about <laughs> Give you, me a so. forge, an anvil, and a hammer. I'm very happy. Well, I think that's enough questions for us to know who <laughs> Rachel is. So let's, um, let's welcome her by giving her a hand clap. So thank you. <laughs> thank you, Rachel, for being here. Thanks, Dad. And um, I'm going to pray for you before mm. you start, if that's thank okay. You. So shall we pray? Dear God, just um, thank you for bringing Rachel here. Thank you for her passion for wanting to see kids be God-connected rather than God-smart. I pray that even as she speaks, that you speak through her, that you would use her words to be an encouragement, to challenge um, our ways of thinking. That will be a way for us to look to your word for how 
for how and why and what we should be doing to um, bring kids to know you and to be connected to you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for welcoming me to this beautiful place. Uh, my, the thing that I was hoping for was that I would get to see a kangaroo. And uh, as I was driving through, I wasn't driving, Melissa was driving through the Barossa. I was so excited. She had promised me I would get some. And um, we were driving along, and I saw a kangaroo on the side of the road, like all <laughs> smushed. And I was like, Woo! And so we thought, and she was like, no, 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 there'll be some around. And then we saw another one, all smushed on the side. And, um, and two, and then three, and then four. And I thought, that's the only kangaroo I'm going to get to see. So I tried to convince her to pull over so I can, like, kneel on the ground and get a picture next to one for my family. And she refused to pull over. She promised me real ones. And there was. We, found, we crested a hill, and there were four gloriously standing there. So I did get that moment. Um, but I also hear you have a unicorn that's called a koala. And I've been here four days, and I haven't seen one. And you all keep talking about it, and I'm not sure they're real. So this will be my last day. We'll see what happens. If you see one, point one out, because they're up everywhere, I'm sure. Feel, feel like, I don't know. We'll see if they're real. I'm excited about it. But uh, I am so pleased to get to come talk to you uh, about well, how we as generations are called to be with each other because I think sometimes uh, it can be easy to slide into what we're comfortable in. And I think there's something beautiful that um, I would love to encourage us to step into. In a second, I'm going to read to you from uh, 1 Corinthians, oh, for, yes, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, and talk about the body of Christ. And so I just want to give you a little bit of sort of background to this. There was a, a house church in uh, Corinth that was hanging out, and uh, they were just doing their life together. And uh, Paul wanted to speak to them and encourage them because it seemed to be what was happening was that there were a lot of people learning about Jesus and wanting to follow faith, but also very comfortable in their little silos of happiness. They had people who were Jews, and they were like, we're Jews. We like being Jews. We'd like to stay Jews. And uh, then Greeks were coming to Christ. Great, fantastic. Enjoy that over there. Um, and we're slightly better than you because Jesus was Jewish. And they had this sort of stress that was going on. They were people who were slaves and people who were free, which was wonderful that you know Jesus and stay in your corner. And there was a bunch of people trying to exist separately and try to figure out who was better, who was smarter, who was more loved by God. And they were all trying to figure out how to mm, exist and secretly know that they were the best. And then uh, they didn't want to blend. They didn't want to blend. They didn't want to be one. They wanted to exist and figure out that they were smarter than everybody else. And Paul comes in and is not a gentle letter writer. If you ever read anything from Paul, he's not like, let me hold your emotions and talk to you gently. Paul went around and was like, I've got some stuff to say to you. And he decides to talk to them about how they are not separate people. And uh, would you mind if we look at this verse He's talking about how they are a body of Christ, how they are one body. And he says, just as a body, though one, one body, it has many parts, but all its many parts form, you know, one body. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. 
whether Jews or Gentiles, which are non-Jews, slave or free. And I would argue that there's lots of other categories. Those are the categories that were live for them. But for us, we can get into male or female, adult or child, all the separations that naturally pull us apart. Whether you're one or the other, we're not all separate. We were all given the same, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And he goes on this analogy to explain what he means. And he starts talking about all the different parts of the body. He says, the ear can't say to the eye, because, oh, well, the ear can't say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. That would make no sense. The ear's like, I'm fine on my own. Just leave me here. It'll be great. He says the ear can't say to one bit that, oh, well, just because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body. He goes on to talk about how uh, you can't all be an ear. You can't all be an eye. And he says the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. I'm fine just being a hand. He's like, what are you talking about? You are one body. You need each other. You have to learn to function together. One can't exist without the other. One doesn't belong, doesn't get to claim that everything has to be that. And I began to reflect on what this means for us as a community of people of lots of different ages. I believe that it sort of began to feel like when your body falls asleep. Now, I don't know what the Australian word for this is. So I'm a children's pastor, which means I sit on the floor a lot like this because everybody's short in my world. And so I sit on the floor a lot. I am also 44, which means that as I sit on the floor, I then lose all feeling in the bottom half of my body. <laughs> do you know what this means? We call it like your legs fall asleep. What do you call it? Is it the same thing? Fantastic. Okay. So my legs fall asleep. And I don't notice for a long time. You know, I'm focused. I'm doing things. I don't notice for a long time. And then at some point, the bottom half of my body is gone. I don't know what's going on. And I have that panic moment where you're like, I can't feel a part of my body. And I need to fix it as soon as humanly possible. Now, I am a stand still and let your body come to it thing. I am married to a punch it if it's a sleep person. You know, you sort of rub it. What is the correct answer when your body has fallen asleep? Is it a leave it? Who's a leave it person? Raise your hand. Who's a rub it person? And who's a move it person? Interesting, interesting. Right, so I'm a move it slash leave it alone person, but if everything below my legs is dead, that means I have to do this. Has anyone else done this where you sort of roll and then you roll? <laughs> And then you stay. I'm a, I'm a roll and stay. And then I get up. And my mother once told me, if you walk while your legs are asleep, you'll break your ankle. And so then I freeze in the sort of like moment because I need my body back. I need my body back. And eventually it's hurting. And then I have to fend off my husband who's trying to rub it because that's the way he thinks it is. And eventually I get my body back. And I'm so grateful because I'm like, yes, this is the way I'm designed to be. I'm designed to be able to have my whole body function. But I think we've got really used to having parts of our body asleep and not access to it. I think we've gotten used to being disconnected. I think we're used to our children saying, because I'm not an adult, I don't belong to this church. And I think we're used to as adults 
looking at kids and say, we value you and we love you, but we don't need you as part of us. And I think that gets really dangerous because we were designed to be one body and we need each other. And so when we look at what it means to parent for faith and help our kids meet and know God, it's not just about us saying, I'd love for you to know this information, sprinkle information into it. It's about teaching them how to function as a body alongside of us because they are equal disciples to us and they need us and we need them and we learn how to be the body of Christ alongside. And so we need to figure out how to play our part with each other. Kids need you. They need you. Over and over in the Old Testament, it talks about, talk about these things from generation to generation to generation. And the thing that it says to do from generation to generation to generation is to tell stories. Our teenagers and our children need your stories. And if you're a teenager in this room, your younger siblings and your peers need your stories. Everybody needs your stories. Because stories are help us see where the authenticness of life with God is. My dad is a police officer. And uh, I wasn't going to talk about him today, but I thought, it's Father's Day! And so I thought I would. Uh, he's a police officer, and he was in the highest murder per capita um, city in America. Um, and so whenever he left, we were never sure whether he was going to come home or not. And uh, when he would go out, he was a, a Christian. And, I, and he would tell me these stories of him on duty. And it absolutely transformed for me as a child and a teenager how I expected to see God in my everyday. Because he would tell me that I get in my police car and I ask God, take me to where I am needed, Lord. Guide me where. And he'd drive around and he said sometimes he would feel the prompting of God say, turn right. And sometimes he would just feel like he needs to stay there a little bit longer. And there were so many times he said, I'd just be driving along and I just would be praying and I would notice something and I would pull over. And there would be, um, uh, there was one story where he went down a, a, just an alleyway, a slow alleyway, and he just felt like God, he was just supposed to stop and get out. And as he got out, he heard crying and he opened up a, a a garage that was there and he saw um, a, a scene of real horrific domestic violence that was happening that no, he, nobody would have known was there except God directed him down that alleyway at that moment. And that completely changed how I as a 12-year-old expected God to be at my school and expected God to be in the theater that I was. I would wake up every day and go, God, where am I needed because I need you to direct me because my, my dad was kind enough to share his story of where God was in his life. Does that make sense? Your stories don't have to be, God is happy and makes me happy all the time. That's not actually the helpful story that our children and teenagers need. They need the authentic stories, the real stories, the stories of when you're struggling and when you're in your ordinary every day. They need those stories. I uh, was lucky enough that my mom would take me to breakfast um, with her friends and her friends' mums. And, uh, and I was a kid, and they would bring me there, and they would not in any way 
stop telling stories of their life. And so I'd be sitting there eating breakfast, listening to stories of menopause and, um, and all sorts. And, and someone just got a diagnosis and they weren't sure and what your marriage looks like after 40 years. And also, I was fascinated. It was amazing. They would tell stories of who God was and what they were doing and how their child was making these choices and how they were grieving. And they would spontaneously pray for each other. And I thought, is this what life with God is? It's authentic and raw and menopause and and marriage and praying in a breakfast place it completely changed how i expected and where i expected god to be because a group of people were willing to be authentic in front of me and tell their stories your stories are valuable to the next generation there was a man in our church he was single he didn't have any children and he was the kindest guy in our church also carried candy. And so just want to say, I always knew George, and I would make sure I found George because he had candy. And uh, he also remembered all of my friends' names and would ask me, how's it going? What's going on? He'd tell me amazing stories about the war and, uh, and what he felt God was like when he was flying. And uh, one day George got sick, and uh, George got diagnosed with cancer. And he was my favorite I know we're not supposed to be favorites, but as kids, we have favorites at church. And he was my favorite, and I thought he was great, and he got cancer, and I was like, God's going to heal him, obviously. So we prayed, and he did not get healed, and I was like, what is going on? And George started telling stories, and every day he'd tell me stories of when he'd go to the, the place to get the, the scan to see whether the cancer spread, and he would tell me and the whole congregation, you know, I'm going, I'm praying that there's going to be no cancer that's spread, but if it does, that doesn't shake my faith at all. And he'd go get the test, and it'd come back, and it had gone through his whole body, and he'd say, that's okay, because you know who was with me? God, and God is faithful. And he would talk through when he was questioning, and he would say, I was asking questions of God, and I'm not sure what he's doing, but I do know he is next to me. And he would say, I'm brokenhearted right now, but that's all right, because God is comfortable me and holding me and he would tell me I don't know whether this is going to kill me or whether it's going to be a healing but it's going to be an adventure no matter what and he kept going on the journey and he kept telling me stories of the music he listened to and the bible verse that was helpful to him and when he reached his end of life he there was a moment we didn't know that that was going to be the last time we saw him and he told the senior leader who was going to be with him at the end I want you to tell the story of my last moments of life my moments of when I die, because I want everyone to know who God is in the last moments of life. And so on the week he died, our senior leader got up and described to us his final moments and what happened in the final seconds and what he said. And I was so amazed that George told me the story of how to die with God. So when I got my cancer diagnosis, the first thought I had was I know how to do this. George showed me how to do this. And so there was nothing that I faced in my cancer journey that I was not able to think. Oh, George said listening to worship music and when you have this, have a set ready when you come out of your consultant thing because that was really helpful to worship when you come out. And George's life was so helpful to me to navigate my life because the stories of the people of God shared openly and authentically with others equip all of us to be part of the body of Christ. Your stories are valuable, important to the next generation so the next generation can know what the authenticness of God looks like in it. If you're a parent, you've got two to 3,000 hours a year with your kids 
to tell these stories, to show them where God is, to talk about your ordinary everydays. We all think, where is that? Because that doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's in the boring bits of life. It's when you're sitting in swimming class waiting for your other kid to get out and you're sitting with your other one in there. It's when you're driving them around. It's when they come in at midnight. Uh, it's in the tiny boring bits of life to share life with them and say, have I ever told you this story? Or to say, this is what I'm going through right now. It is a powerful thing, your stories. And if you're not a parent, if you're part of a community and you have teenagers and children adjacent to you, tell your stories. Be willing to be authentic when they're sitting next to you. Include them. Let them hear your stories of all of life because it's powerful and interesting. And you've also done some crazy stuff in your life, and we love those stories. Tell the, tell the crazy, stupid stories, too, because we want to hear them. Authentic is more important than perfect. We want to see where God is in the ups and where God is in the downs. Where is God when you're struggling and where is God when you see breakthrough in something that you've been praying for? It is a joyful and exciting thing. Tell your stories. But the other thing I wanted to say about this is that helping kids meet and know God and be released into the body of Christ is about allowing them also to be the body of Christ because they are powerful ministers of God too. They are full disciples just like us and they have something to contribute. And it's really important as they grow that they feel the power and strength they have in the lives of others. And so I would suggest that you also open yourself up to see them as full disciples able to minister and impact your life as well. Because that's what forms them. That's what makes them strong. That's what makes them see life in the power. We need kids. There was a, a, we were teaching some kids how to preach, and we give them scripture, and we said, go away, pray, bring to it your own thing. And one of the verses that we gave them was Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me, and I will answer you, and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. And I was like, great, let's see it. She picked this one. She was about 10. And uh, we were at a big summer camp, and she got up in front of 800 people. She got up in front of 800 people, and she started off with this. God is better than Google. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And she's like, why do we keep searching Google for the things that only God can tell us? And I was like, I'm done. I'm out. That's it. <laughs> for the next three years, I'm like, why am I? Like, why do... Why are things that are so huge I ask everybody else but God for? And it completely changed my entire way I approach God because I would ask questions about me instead of just saying, God, tell me, tell me about the world that I don't understand. Completely changed my view. God is better than Google. There are insights that come from the experience of children and teens that are living in this world that are significant to us. Many of us of the older generations are saying this world is different than the worlds that we grew up in and we don't know how to help them. I would suggest sometimes that they can help us figure out how to navigate this because they have wisdom and experience and they have God that are speaking to them and can speak through them to others. And so listen to them, expect them, ask them questions. How do you navigate all this stuff at school and stay close to God in it? I want to know. Not because I want to teach you, because I want you to teach me. Also, be open for their ministry. Because God is talking to them too. And can minister through them too. 
Um, when I lost a baby, I had a miscarriage, and um, at the same week I was doing kids' ministry. You don't get to stop sometimes. So I stopped for my body to recover, but we hadn't quite worked through the emotions of the whole thing. You know, I had, I had cried at God and stuff, but I, I hadn't really, you know, you got to crack on. We were going to do some stuff. And uh, so everyone kept asking, can we pray for you? Can we pray for you? And I'm like, I am just not emotionally ready to do that. I'm not sure I want to talk to God about it right now. I would like to just move on with my life and <laughs> shove it down as much as I possible and talk about it later. And uh, we were uh, just out of place. There were kids around. And I, we had done that for a month or two. And I was like, maybe I'll never have to talk about it, talk about it with God. You know, you're like, well. You haven't brought it up. I haven't brought it up. We'll get away with it. And uh, all of a sudden, this little eight-year-old um, ran up to me, skipped up to me. So I was like, hey, how can I help you? She's like, I was over there singing to God, and he told me to come over here and pray for you. And I was like, Ugh, it's really hard to turn down an eight-year-old who's like, I think you need to meet with Jesus. And so I was like, okay, that'll be nice. I had no expectations, right? So I'm like, all right. So I knelt down which is obviously a sign that I didn't expect to be there for a while because <laughs> yeah, I got three seconds on my knees and then I'm done. And so I knelt down and I was like, thank you. And she put her hands on her shoulders, me and my husband who were there. She put her hands on her shoulders and she goes, hmm, God, I think these people are really, really sad and they have a sad deep down and they really need to talk to you about it. And I was like, and like ugly cry, you know, like when it's just snot, like everywhere. It was so, you know, when you're, you're not wiping your face, you're scooping up your face. It was bad. And we cried and we were there for about 20 minutes and she just stood there with us. Once I opened my eyes to wipe, she was just hanging out, just having a good time, singing worship songs along with the thing. And, uh, and she was just there and she, every once in a while, she just leaned forward and be like, he really likes you. And then we just keep going. And it was this moment where she, she held space for us to talk to God and process it um, in a way that I don't think I would have been willing to receive from an adult. Well, I would have been received. I just wasn't, it caught me off guard because God chose to use that person at that time. And she happened to be a kid. And because we were open to receiving ministry from a kid, we received the healing and the beginning of the process for us coming out of the miscarriage. Because God works through his people, and his people are of all ages, and his people are of all generations, and his people need each other, because we are one body of Christ. And so if you are a parent, you have this beautiful experience that you get to have of telling your stories and journeying alongside a full disciple who is figuring out God for themselves. Tell them stories Tell them your stories. Invite people over to tell stories. Invite them places that kids aren't normally invited to, like your breakfast with your friends and your friends' moms. Take them, tell them stories of your work and when it's hard and when you're struggling and when you're not sure. Let them see what the beauty of an authentic life with God looks like. If you're a community around them, be willing to be authentic around them. Invite them into your spaces. Tell your stories. You are valuable. And if you have anywhere around children or teens, invite them and see them as the body of Christ. Be willing to be ministered to by them. Be willing to get insight from him because we are one body. The ear can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the ear can't say, because I'm not an adult, I'm not needed by this body. God has gifted us. 
a body of Christ that we may not be alone, that we may not only have our own insights, but that we may disciple each other, all generations, all genders, all ages, all backgrounds, all nations, into one beautiful body that builds us up. The last part of this session, I love this verse. When we come to it, the very end of him talking about the body and how everyone is needed, and it just says very bluntly, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. None of us are not needed. None of us are extraneous. None of us have stories that are unuseful to each other. We can all be the strength of the body of Christ that we may live in unity and strength and see a world come to know him. And so I'd just like to pray for us, if that's all right. I think when we talk about this, often we think back to our own childhoods. We often think about how we feel in this community. Do we feel needed? Do we feel on the side? Do we feel that our stories are worth something to share? And I just wanted to, to pray for those of us who feel like we've been holding ourselves back or that we feel like we're not quite sure how to help or, or where to go, that we feel isolated from the others. Because you were never meant to do faith on their own. No matter where you are in your faith journey, you were never meant to try to figure it out by yourself. You were meant to be part of a body that will strengthen you and support you and tell you stories and make you feel valuable and needed. And so first of all, I'd like to pray for any of you who whoever felt on the outside, unneeded. And I'm just going to pray for us. And then I'll pray for little other things too. God, I thank you that you designed us for community, that we may learn about you in community. And God, some of us, whether we're teenagers, whatever age we are, the older generation, whatever we are, where we come from, whether we're new or whether we've been here for a long time. God, some of us may sometimes feel unneeded on the outside, extraneous to the body we're a part of. And I pray right now that you would fill us with your love, that we may know our value to you. I pray that you would take away all those thoughts of holding ourselves back, of being extraneous, of, of not being needed, that you would sweep those thoughts away from us. And I pray that you would fill us with your scripture. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. God, I pray right now for all of us, that even now that you would be popping in our minds just a picture or a name of an individual in our community that needs us, needs our stories. It could be a, someone in the congregation we know. It could be a family member. It could be a neighbor. Just remind us of who is in our lives that we may input into. I pray as we go from this place that you would poke our hearts and remind us of the stories of you that we may share. Make us bold to be authentic and not perfect in front of each other. I pray that you would humble our hearts, that we may learn from our teenagers and children, 
I pray if we are teenagers and children in this room, that you would open our hearts, that we may learn from the other children and teenagers in our lives, that we may learn from the adults, that there would be no barrier between us anymore. And most of all, I pray right now for the, for the youngest among us here, that you would pour your power and significance on them, that they may step into the significant and powerful role as part of the body of Christ in this community, in this place, that they may minister, that they may speak, that their voice may be heard, that their stories would be powerful, that they may be part of the body leading us and strengthening us and helping us see God in better and more significant ways knit us together as a multi-generational community that we may truly go out from this place and say we are the body of Christ. Thank you, God. Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through the hub online at thehub.rbc.com .org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.